We just want to welcome you. I'm going to continue the series that we kicked off on Easter called Jesus, Lord Over All. I'm going to move the coffee away so it doesn't get spilled. And we're going to talk today, as we talked last week, about Jesus being Lord over death and exploring the redemption story of what Jesus' work on the cross accomplished and how he actually uh, took authority over the one thing that we as humans couldn't conquer, and that's death. We're going to sort of go to the next step today and talk about Jesus being Lord over sickness. And uh, I'm excited about that. Next week, we'll be talking about Jesus being Lord over sin. That might be kind of a touchy subject, maybe something we don't talk about a whole lot. We're going to try to bring some kingdom perspective uh, to that concept. And then we're going to end the series at the end of this month talking about Jesus, Lord, over the church. We talk a lot about how, you know, we have, uh, God gives the church leaders. Every team or community needs leaders. But ultimately, we try to use language to indicate that, you know, Jesus is the true head of the church. And so even those who are visible leaders here uh, are submitted to the lordship uh, and leading of Jesus. So just to give you a little preview of where we're going over the next few weeks, um, I want to start today talking a little bit more about what I'm just simply calling the redemption story. What I mean by that this morning is more than just what we explored last week in the finished work uh, of the cross, but if you sort of think as uh, think of the entire story of Scripture as sort of one story arc, we talked a little bit last week about this idea that As we saw God's perfect intentions expressed in creation in the garden prior to the fall, what is happening in the story is that Jesus' purpose is to bring redemption to that which was stolen in the garden and, and move us back towards that perfect fulfillment of his intentions. Now, we know that that work is not yet completed. We are not living in a state that we could describe as similar to the garden most days by any stretch of the imagination. We live in what's often referred to as a broken, a fallen world. We are regularly acquainted with difficulties and sickness and disease and relationship strife. These things for some of us uh, are, are daily battles. And so we we are very well aware and acquainted with the fact that we're not living in the state of the garden. But I would propose to you as we've been talking that this is the story of redemption, that what Jesus initiated when he came and exercised his authority over death was bringing the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven nearer to our present reality giving us tastes, giving us glimpses of that which will come in its fullness at the end of this age when we will be reunited with him, when this age is closed and Jesus comes back and finishes all things. Heaven is that picture of returning back to the garden, that perfect state of living in intimate communion with our Father God, with all of the difficulties and things that we experienced here on this earth taken care of, dealt with. 
As I mentioned last week, death being the final enemy that will be dealt with, we will enter that eternal state of perfection and live in that perfect communion with Jesus. Now, that sounds great. We've sort of looked at both ends of the story arc, but we recognize that here we are stuck in the middle, right? And so as we're talking about these different areas of Jesus's lordship, they're all going to have that same common theme, that what we're experiencing is what we often refer to as the tension of the kingdom. We live in the present reality with struggles and difficulties and things such as sickness and disease. And we hope and we long and we ask for and we partner with Jesus to see glimpses of that future kingdom reality break into the now. This is what we mean when we say the now and the not yet. When we experience those moments where we pray for someone, be healed in Jesus' name, and we see a difference. When we see someone receive healing, that's a glimpse of that future reality coming into now. But we also know we're very well acquainted, as I've just shared, with that not yet. Sometimes we do these things, and there doesn't seem to be an immediate effect. Now, I would caution you to... Be careful not to judge too quickly because as many of us have stories, sometimes that that breaking in uh, doesn't happen instantaneously, but it doesn't necessarily mean it won't happen. Sometimes uh, it's a slow kingdom coming. Sometimes we we pray and uh, maybe someone goes home that night and wakes up the next morning. Oh, you know that thing we prayed about last night that I didn't think made any difference. I just noticed when I got up this morning, it's not... uh, it's not like it was. Maybe it's it's different. Um, I'm feeling a little echoey still. Does, do you, are you picking up on that? Yeah. Um, I don't. I thought maybe I was just being too loud because I have a tendency to do that sometimes. But you know, we we experience that where where it's also not yet, and that and that's what we mean by that language of now and not yet is that. Both things are true in the kingdom. It's neither uh, all now in that we could say, you know, well, Jesus' kingdom is fully come now. And so therefore, all I have to do is believe more and I'll experience everything that's available in heaven right now in this moment. Well, we, we can't claim that the now of the kingdom has fully arrived. But we also shouldn't be ignorant, as I said, of, of longing for, of asking, of partnering with Jesus to continually, regularly see that kingdom breaking in. And so we shouldn't get stuck on the not yet end of the spectrum either. See, I, I grew up in a, in a tradition where, uh, perhaps unintentionally, the focus was, well, you know, we just kind of have to hold on. We, we believed in, in the reality of the perfection of heaven. We believed that at one time Jesus would return and all things would be set right and we would enter into that eternal reality of perfection. But we had no concept of that breaking into the now. And that left us with sort of, you know, well, the difficulties of this life, well, that's just our cross to bear. We've just got to hold on till we get to the other side. And I don't, I don't say that judgmentally, but I just think that that was the understanding. And I have come now uh, because of the kingdom theology that I got introduced to as part of the Vineyard Movement of Churches to understand that tension. Because honestly, I had seen healing happen in my early days. 
But I had no language to understand. Why is that possible? How do we how do we ask for it? Do we just ask, you know, well, Jesus, would you come and and do this if it's your will? How many of us have have prayed that way? Now, now the heart behind that is is not bad. The heart behind that is, is not bad. But what I hope to help you understand is that we can actually come with confidence and understand that that healing is the will of God. If we understand it in the context of the kingdom of God, if we understand this great redemptive story arc of what Jesus is moving us towards as he tries to restore all things using us until that day when he comes and completes that work, we can understand it in the context of the kingdom. I want to jump us back real quick to something we talked about last week to set us up for where we're going this week. And that is the simple thought that Jesus is the pattern. Now, it might not, you might think, well, that doesn't really bear repeating. We, we know that. We know that we are followers of Jesus. We talked last week, well, I think we need to remember and be reminded one more time that if we understand that the way that Jesus lived out his earthly life, was as a human led by the Holy Spirit, we will see new possibilities for the way that we can live. Now, I mentioned this last week. I I, I just feel like I have to throw the disclaimer in there. This does not diminish Jesus' divinity at all. But I think sometimes we elevate his divinity to to the point that we forget to recognize, but his bodily life lived here was also lived in a form of humanity. And so it's easy to say, well, Jesus was God, therefore I can't do the stuff that he did. In other words, that's not a pattern I can follow. And, and it's true that we can't necessarily attain to the perfection, or at least we don't feel that we can. That's not been our experience. I don't know about you, but I, I have not, uh, I don't have a perfect track record in following the pattern of Jesus. Um, you guys might be a different story, but I certainly don't. Um, and we're not going to tell all the stories of how I can prove that, but that has been my experience. And so it's easy to sort of write that off, but but as we looked at scriptures last week, we, we began to understand that Jesus actually tells us that you will do the same and greater works as I have done. We use this language of uh, continuing the ministry of Jesus. Well, that's what he initiated and invited us into. Well, why would he ask us to continue something he'd started if his ability to do those things was contained in his divinity, which we don't have? Now, I'm convinced, and I, and I believe that if you uh, search this out and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you, that we will come to the understanding that Jesus is the pattern and the power of the Holy Spirit can enable us to do the same and greater works that Jesus did. So I want to sort of start from that frame of mind, that even in this area of sickness and disease, where we recognize that Jesus is Lord, he has ultimate authority over these things because, uh, sorry, pause before I run away, uh, and, and also offer this thought. As we're thinking about that contrast between present reality and, and, and the garden, you know, that, that is uh, the root of sickness, is, is in the disease of, of sin. It is something that didn't exist 
in the perfection that was experienced in the garden. It doesn't exist on the other end of the spectrum in the perfection of heaven. And so it was introduced here in between and during the fall. And so we need to understand that uh, just as the way I explained it last week, if, if Adam and Eve ingesting the apple was like bringing the disease of sin into their body, Jesus took and put it back on the tree. Jesus dealt with the root. Now, that doesn't mean all the effects have been vanquished, right? How many of you have played the game Pandemic? So it's a great, I know I have my, some of my board game people over here. I had no doubt. It's one of my wife's favorite board games. So in Pandemic, if you're not familiar, and it is a, it's a pretty fun game, uh, there's basically a, a world map, and there's all these different things. And so you draw these calamity cards, and it's kind of what we experienced with the worldwide pandemic. Like different diseases and sicknesses pop up at different places on the map, and the way you go as you draw different cards, sometimes they, they expand, they go into pandemic levels. But, but my point is, um, the way the game is played, because it, it's finite, there's basically four different colors that you kind of have. Well, there's this thing of curing a disease versus eradicating it, right? So curing is like we found the formula to deal with that disease. We found the, the antidote. But in the game, finding the cure doesn't actually mean that that is like wiped off the map yet. That's like a second step that you try to accomplish. Once you've found the cure, you try to continue progressing through the game and actually eradicate that disease off the map so that it like doesn't exist anymore. That's what we're talking about when we talk about sickness or many other areas that are not in alignment with the perfect reality of the kingdom of heaven. We have the cure. We have the antidote. Jesus dealt with the root of sickness, sin, disease, poverty, all these things. He dealt with the root. That work is finished. This is what I believe was wrapped up in Jesus' language when he said, it is finished. The will of the Father expressed in Jesus' sacrifice, he completed that work. That's what we mean when we say the finished work of the cross we don't need to put Jesus back on the cross. That work is done. And that dealt with the root cause. It brought us a cure, a possibility. But it's the same as it is in that game. That doesn't mean that the effects have been wiped off the map. So this is the reality that we currently live in. We have a cure, but it still exists around. We, and we know that. I don't, I don't have to like convince you of that. There's probably few people in this room who, uh, if I would scan us, you know, over the last, not not scan you, sur- like survey you, over the last 12 months, you know, that we've, we've all been touched in some way recently or a little bit long by some form of, of sickness, either mild, short term, or, or sometimes uh, more extensively. So, so that's where I want us to start, is understanding the root cause has been dealt with. And, and yet it has not been fully eradicated. This is where we come in. This is where we have the ability to partner with Jesus in enforcing um, his will and bringing about the reality of his kingdom in, in moments to see those things begin to happen. Let's jump over to kick this off to John chapter 5. We're going to just read a couple of verses to start. 
John 5, 19. So this, uh, the, the verse, I'm just going to kind of summarize where we're at in the story here in John 5. You may be familiar with the story of Jesus healing the lame man. Uh, and he does it on the Sabbath, and it kind of gets the guy in trouble because all the religious leaders are like, you know, the, the, the Jesus comes up to the guy and, and, and heals him and then says, take up your mat and walk. Like, go, you're, you're, you're good. And then the, the religious leaders say, wait a minute, it's a Sabbath. You can't work. You can't carry that mat around. And basically the man's response is, well, the one who healed me, that's what he, he told me to do. Like, he, I'm just following instructions. And so um, this gets the religious leaders, of course, all stirred up. And uh, basically then there's this confrontation. And where we're going to pick up is Jesus uh, explaining sort of what's going on in verse 19. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth. The son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. Verse 20. For the father loves the son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will be truly astonished. I want to help us move towards understanding, first of all, that if Jesus is the pattern, Jesus, and this is not the only place where he says this, Jesus does the will of the Father. We, we like to use these phrases a lot, doing what the Father is doing, seeing what the Father is seeing, because if we're partnering with what the Father is already doing, versus just asking, Lord, I've got this plan, would you come over here and bless this thing that I want to do? You might have some success with that. That might line up sometimes. But if we see that the Father is doing something and we can then partner with what he is doing, we're going to see a lot more success. Another way I I, I like to think of it in our context now, uh, since Jesus uh, ascended and is no longer bodily here, but the scripture tells us that Jesus is interceding on our behalf, the right hand of the Father, One of the interesting questions that I like to ask in prayer is, Jesus, what are you praying? And that that can be for you personally. It can be for the situation. But I I guarantee you, as, as we read here, and I think the context of all of Scripture and the witness of our spirit would tell us, Jesus is in perfect alignment with the Father. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They, they are one. They are in alignment. And so if we understand that, we're going to understand that if we can pray the same prayer that Jesus is praying, then that answer is guaranteed. Because the point is not just to follow the pattern blindly, but the point is that if Jesus is in alignment with the Father, then we need to align with Jesus and therefore also align with the Father. So we can ask, Jesus, how are you working? What do you see the Father doing? Would you show me what the Father is doing? Now, this can be difficult when you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance. And I admit to not frequently doing this perfectly. But I can also tell you probably several stories of times where in the midst of a very difficult situation, 
in stopping, asking Jesus, Jesus, I, I have this problem. I have this thing that I'm facing. And simply ask, what are you doing? Because sometimes we want to look at stuff just at face value. And we want to pray directly into that. And that might be okay. There might be some result from that. But sometimes what Jesus is doing is greater than what we see at face value. And so be asking Jesus, what are you doing? What is the Father's will in this area? How are you seeing and approaching this problem? And what I've found is when I can uh, put myself in that frame of mind, when I can invite Jesus into my problem, rather than just saying, Jesus, would you come fix it, but actually invite him into the midst of it, Jesus, what are you doing in this moment, in this issue, in this problem, in this relationship? He will often show you things that you may have not even thought of that might actually be the key to moving forward. Sometimes it's the key in that it will unlock faith, it will bring about healing. Sometimes uh, it will actually take you in a totally different direction. Because whatever the Father is doing is for your good. And so we can get most preoccupied with that thing which is painful for us, whether that be physical pain, relational strife, emotional pain, scars, trauma. We can get most concerned with that because what is our tendency? And and I'm saying we, like I'm putting myself in those shoes. What is our tendency? We want to get as far away from pain as possible. Now, I'm not advocating, we we read in John 10.10, those things come from the enemy. I'm not saying that that Jesus is the author of, of strife and difficulty. But sometimes... Sometimes what Jesus is doing in the moment is allowing us to have him be Lord in the pain before he brings us out of the pain. Now, now we have to be careful here. Don't take this as, you know, you, there's an extreme of this where you can go, you know, well, yeah, God's just, uh, you know, using this to, to make me humble. Uh, God will use anything that happens to us. But, but what I'm saying is to focus on what he's doing. Where is Jesus in the midst of your painful situation? And I used that example uh, last week about recognizing the reality that if, if we can press into this, we never have to live further than an arm's length away from the reality or even the whisper of his name. Like Jesus wants to be that present with you, that near to you, in whatever situation that you're in. And so Jesus is the pattern. Jesus does the will of the Father. And then I want to flip over to Matthew 8. And again, just a few verses here. The first three verses of Matthew 8. Uh, you take the time to, to read the whole story. Um, but we're just going to read the first three verses about Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Jesus, uh, it said, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, the leprosy disappeared. 
I want to pause here and just make comments. If you go through and, and look at all the different healing stories in the New Testament where Jesus heals people, you'll notice the prayers are often pretty short and sweet. Now, I'm, I'm not knocking. We, we have our five-step prayer model. There's, there's great benefit there because it gives us a track to run on and we don't know what else to do. But if you follow the pattern of Jesus, but, but my point is the reason he's able to do this is because he was already aware. He was already seeing what the Father was doing. He was being led by the Spirit into these moments. And so he was already in a place of authority, of seeing, of understanding. And therefore, he was able to partner with what the Father was already showing him and doing. And therefore, see that effect. So as we think about Jesus doing the will of the Father, we need to understand, and this story is just one example if we look at the great, again, the context of Scripture and the great redemption story, healing is the will of the Father. If we understand that that's Jesus' intention, again, looking at both ends, fully expressed in perfection in the garden and in the future state of heaven, these things don't exist. God didn't design sickness to exist in his presence and so, therefore, we can understand that, that that is the will. Now, does that mean that we understand exactly how he's doing it? Does that mean we always understand the timing? No, there's a lot of learning and growing that we need to do to be sensitive to seeing what the Father is doing, to understanding how to pray, to understanding timing and what the Lord's doing. And, and sometimes, let me say this. Uh, there was that game uh, from, well, I mean, it, I don't know when it actually came out, but I, I had it when I was young called Pick Up Sticks. You know, it's all the different, and you dump out the sticks. This, sometimes we, we talk about healing and we think of it as binary, you know, healed, not healed. It, it's a clear issue, you know, I have a headache, and then it's either there or it's gone. You know, I have a hurt, and it's, and, and. In training, sometimes those things are helpful, but I think more often than not, the things that are affecting us from the kingdom of darkness and from the realms of sickness and disease are more like that game of pick-up sticks. And sometimes the, uh, the, the pain that we're experiencing physically in our body might be the green stick on the bottom of the pile. Well, you can't necessarily just sometimes go in and grab that. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't want to heal it, but there might be two or three other things laying on top of that that that's actually what Jesus is wanting to deal with. That's actually what needs to be dealt with first. Now, it doesn't mean that there's like hoops that we have to jump through. That means it's not binary. Oftentimes, the things that we're dealing with are, are not only complicated, but they're like intermingled. And I would even go so far as to say, let us not be guilty of trying to separate out ourselves, our physical being from our souls, our mind, will, emotions, and our spirit. We are much more interconnected, and therefore the realities of, of both sickness and healing in all three of those areas are often more intermingled than we probably recognize, myself included. Like, I'm up here telling you this, but I can think of examples where I haven't recognized how interconnected they were. 
Really simple example, probably not new information to most of you. But if you are harboring uh, feelings of bitterness and unforgiveness, that can be wrapped up sometimes in, in physical symptoms that you're dealing with. Now, again, this is not a, not a works thing where like, well, you've got to clean up your mess and, and take care of all your junk before you come to Jesus. No, he, he's, he's comfortable. I tell you all the time, he's comfortable with your mess. It, it's, it's okay. But we just need to recognize sometimes those things are, are intermingled. And so if we're experiencing the kingdom of darkness in the way we're processing our emotions, and yet we're coming to Jesus and, and asking for healing or commanding or praying healing for something in our physical being, he, when you ask, Jesus, what are, what are you doing? He might be wanting to heal the emotional hurt first. He might. He might be wanting to help you because sometimes, again, probably not your experience, but mine is sometimes I can't forgive people without Jesus' help. Sometimes, for whatever reason, we just can't seem to get there. We might want to. We might say the words, but we need Jesus' help to do that. And sometimes Jesus wants to do those things. In, uh, as I said before, to, I know these are imaginary. They're not really there. But, you know, like to, to begin to unpile those pickup sticks and get to the thing. Because my point is that healing, or you could say wholeness. Again, if you think of yourself in the context of that future reality of heaven, it's not just about getting rid of physical aches and pains and headaches and coughs and colds and diseases and cancer. It is all of those things, but it's, it's wholeness. It's getting rid of the emotional baggage. It's getting rid of the emotional strife. It's, it's getting rid of... Anything that Jesus didn't intend for us. And so I simply want to try to convey to you this morning that despite the fact that we live in this broken, messed up, and sometimes we're the ones messing it up. It's not like it's just, you know, unbelievers that are messing it up. We're messing it up sometimes too. Because we're not seeing what the Father is doing. We're not partnering with him. We're not partnering with him to bring the kingdom reality. But despite the fact that we live in this state, in this place, in this time, things as messed up as they are, things are not messed up because Jesus isn't really on the throne. The state of our world is not because Jesus is just like kicking back and waiting and someday he's going to come fix it all whenever he decides to be Lord again. No, that's the other thing that was initiated at the cross. Jesus brought the kingdom reality back. He said the king is kinging again. And that's a, a progressive work that's happening. It's not fully culminated, but it has begun. The king has begun to bring his kingdom. And our job, living in the tension between those two realities, is to constantly be seeking Jesus, how are you bringing your kingdom now? How can I partner with you? How can I bless people? How can I enter more fully in to what you have for us? Because the reality is, the place that we started, Jesus is Lord over sickness. He has that complete authority. And whenever we run into a situation where we don't see the kingdom expressed, 
when we don't see healing take place, the problem is not on Jesus' end. It's not on Jesus' end. It's not because Jesus lacks in power, authority, or even willingness. It's often because of the resistance of the one we call the kingdom of darkness, the enemy. Or sometimes it's because of those piles of sticks that we're just not able to get to that one yet. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the kingdom breaks in powerfully and blows the whole pile of sticks off the table, right? But, but we don't have control over how that gets expressed. Our job is to constantly be inviting. And the thing that we're about here regularly is partnering with Jesus to learn, to get more tools on our tool belt. How, Jesus, what, what is this thing you call the kingdom? What is this reality that we're talking about? And how, how do I better train myself, not just to do it, but to see it? Because again, if we see what the Father is seeing, do what the Father is doing, we're going to have much, much greater effectiveness in the way that we pray, in the amount of healing that we see. And I would leave you with this thought this morning. If we can try to align ourselves with Jesus continually, progressively, asking him for more, he is ready and more than willing to give us more of the kingdom than we could possibly ever think or imagine to even ask for. But we've got to seek him. We've got to align ourselves with him. We've got to not always take things at face value. We need to see the kingdom. And we need to recognize that even in the moments where we don't, Jesus is still Lord. His kingdom is still real. He's still good. And maybe we're just still learning and growing and figuring some things out. And that's okay. Jesus, would you come this morning and more than anything that I have said or shared, would you be our teacher would you speak in the way that you do right to our hearts? And even now, Father, as I pray, would you show us, each one individually, highlight the situations where your kingdom is trying to break in? And would you help us see those things so we can partner with you? Would you help us to recognize, Jesus, that you are Lord even over sickness? And may we not be guilty of calling you the thief, Father. When we experience sickness, may we recognize its source. But may we also recognize that even in the midst of those difficult things, Jesus, you are with us. You are near, even as we wait. Even when your kingdom is sometimes slow coming, Jesus, you're near. Would you come and be near to us today? As we worship you, as we sing songs to you, would you come and encounter us and show us that you, Jesus, are Lord. We love you.